What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. And I'm Savannah. And this week, we are back with part two of the How to Be a High Value Woman series. So previously, we touched on aspects around mindset, your approach, relationship management. And this week, we're going to pivot slightly to talk a bit more about the mindset of men. Because whilst we tend to not really care about men, if you are going to date them, it is important that you come in with an understanding of how they behave and how they operate so you can maximize all your interactions with them to your benefit. I'm not going to lie. There's some stuff in this that I disagree with, but this is an old school handbook post that someone decided to put in. So we'll go through it and then talk through it. We'll talk through it. Yeah. And this is why I always say like, even though we have things like the FDS handbook, which is a great resource, it's always good to reread with a critical mind as well, because the handbook was compiled from women from all sorts of backgrounds. You know, whilst it is a very, very good resource on the whole, it's still, you know, really, really good to look at it through a critical lens and also pick out the bits that you disagree with as well. Because like Rose said, even I don't agree with every single post in the handbook, but overall, I think it's a good resource. So the next part is talking about the male mindset. So men... And so it says, in the male mindset men, they love being treated as though they're important and interesting. And they love feeling as though they're engaging with someone who is also important and interesting. Who doesn't though, right? My only thing about this is, yeah, it's important to treat men like that who you actually find important and interesting. I think the patriarchal aspect of it is that women are expected to be wowed by very mediocre, basic behavior from men. And to a point where it's performative. So I guess I would amend this to say, like, don't feel pressure to pretend like you think he's important and interesting if you don't. Yeah, exactly. And it also has to be, you know, reciprocal as well. So, you know, how many couples are in a situation where the woman knows everything about the guy down to his middle name and all his allergies, but the guy knows nothing about the woman? That's unfortunately a scenario that is a lot more common than you think as well. But it should be general on the whole, though, men do like feeling useful. Like even in my experience, even the guys who sort of, you know, were 50-50 and whatever, they also didn't like it when I didn't need them or didn't ask them for stuff. It was very weird. I remember like a really, really stupid story. I was going to visit my ex in his country and I asked one of my friends in that country for directions to my ex's like house because I don't want to get lost. And then when my ex found out, he was like, oh, you should have asked me. He wasn't grumpy about it, but he was just like, you should have asked me. I'm like, but I asked someone else. So I don't really know why you're getting so hung up on the fact that I didn't ask you. It was very weird. But yeah, I do find that men like, they like to feel important and they like to feel needed. But that is generally a human thing anyway. Most people like to feel like they are seen and that they are valued at the end of the day. Even low value men. The next one is a bit too gamey for my liking, but I'll read out anyway. The next point, it says that men love a challenge and love, in quotation marks, intermittent attention from the women they're attracted to. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Like, (laughs) I kind of hate this because it just makes it seem like we have to behave differently then. Yeah, it's a bit too gamey for me. Yeah. And I said in the previous episode, if you have to start playing games to get a guy's attention, you've already lost. Like, it's just not worth it. Yeah. I think a challenge is just a euphemism for women with good boundaries. Women who don't have good boundaries, well, then again, it's just like 
women who don't have good boundaries for men who quote love a chase or are emotionally devoid or in a love bombing are the type of men that like to chase women over and over and over again. And sometimes I feel like when they're saying be a challenge, they're suggesting to like make it seem like you're something you're not rather than just being a woman with like good standards and boundaries. And also this whole idea of a man liking a challenge that it just doesn't really feel like he is actually seeing the woman that he's with. It's more about, you know, the actual act of getting the woman as opposed to actually connecting with an individual woman, if that makes sense as well. So even guys who love a challenge, they should be avoided at all costs, 100%. The next bullet point is, uh, men don't care about stuff they dismiss as feminine, even if it's important, like feelings or stories, aesthetics, domesticity, I want to say, relationships or caretaking. I actually disagree with this one. I think it's a myth that men don't care about feelings. I just think that the way men are taught to express feelings and the way we interpret men expressing, you know, feelings is just completely off. Like, for example, it's a myth that men aren't allowed to show emotion when, you know, for example, it's the norm for, I don't know what it's like in, for example, sports in the US, but in the UK, like the norm for men to get for example, angry if their team loses or to sulk or to start crying. Like, that's the norm. And this whole thing about, you know, men don't feel, I think it ultimately comes back to the way we perceive, like, male feelings. And we see a man expressing feelings as the default way of expressing feelings. Whereas with women, it's that we are hysterical or that we're illogical. But men express their feelings all the time. They just do it in a different way. Exactly. And yeah, relationships. You know, men, even if we look at, the red pill, you know, like seduction techniques and pickup artistry techniques, like this is all ultimately about getting into a relationship with a woman, not necessarily a healthy relationship. But again, it's a myth that men don't value relationships. Like they know that there is something to be gained by being partnered with a woman. This is why they have all these techniques. This is why Andrew Tate is rinsing, you know, young men and, and the incels have woken up to the fact that he's profiting off their loneliness. That's why that industry exists. Yeah. The problem is, is that historically it's been, they like these one-sided exploitative relationships of women. They basically enjoy female slavery and most of them would be fine with it. These guys are being grifted by the hour by whatever flavor of the week. Patriarchy supporting Scrote has decided to reappear on the screen. And I do not feel an ounce of sympathy for them, by the way. No, I don't. Make their pockets hurt. Yeah, who cares about them? Men use meaningless words, judge them by their actions instead. Their actions should match their words. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. This is what I do agree with. That is like 100%. I agree with that that statement. Yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory, really. And this is what I said in the previous episode, is that you won't have to dissect what a guy is saying if you look at his actions, because he will make it very, very clear early on his intentions towards you. Just look at what he's doing. Talk is very cheap, but if you look at their actions, you can't really go wrong. And if there is a mismatch between a guy's words and his actions, that should also be a red flag in itself because that is a big sign that he lacks integrity, which is not what you want in a guy or especially in a life partner. So this next was a bit weird. It says like high quality men only, and then 
it talks about high quality men only love sex when you have your own pleasure in mind instead of his. I mean, I'm not saying that's wrong, but that's not the only <laughs> quality of a high value man. <laughs> but it is an important one, I guess. Yeah, it's just weird. Sex should be reciprocal. And if it's lopsided, it should definitely be lopsided in the favor of women. Society, thanks to porn, has broken a generation of men's dicks and minds, quite frankly, to the point where sex is so lopsidedly male-centric and violent and rapey and just all around objectifying and not really in a way that women enjoy. So, or at least like not as much as women are being pressured to enjoy. So it's just like, this is a tough one because it's like, yes, I absolutely believe that that's the case that a high value man probably doesn't watch porn or at least like has enough understanding or respect for you to make sure that the experience is actually reciprocal rather than whatever porn sick bullshit they came up with that day. But I do think at the same time, it's possible to not have watched porn and still be influenced by porn because it's just everywhere now as well. So that's another thing to consider as well is that not watching like the hardcore stuff is a step in the right direction, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not porn sick. Yeah, I don't know. The sex conversation is in general an issue. And I kind of want to do an episode where we talk about how to get out of uncomfortable sexual situations, because you just are going to encounter disgusting porn sick men who don't care about your sexual pleasure, or at least, and they're too stupid to even ask or know that they're fucking up. Or if they do, they don't give a shit. They just don't care. Like, they really just don't care. Right, exactly. Because, because sex to them is like something they do at women and on women rather than with women. But luckily, though, you can easily spot a porn sick man. Like, maybe we'll tack this onto the episode that Ro outlined. But there are ways to tell if a man is porn sick, like, in extremely quickly, like, without even asking him, do you watch porn? Because I think that's the worst way to find out if a guy is porn sick, because a lot of men will either lie or massively downplay the amount they consume. But there are always tells that will indicate if a man is porn sick or not, always. So the next section is about the rules of being a woman. So the first one is make your dreams and passions your priority. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, some of this stuff is just like general self-help, I suppose. Even if you don't, Make your dreams and passions your priority. I mean, I think everyone should because it makes your life quality. But regardless of any of that, none of this makes you worthy or less worthy of having a man who treats you well. Yeah, of course. Especially given the barriers, the numerous barriers that women around the world face and actually pursuing their dreams and passions anyway, that further compounds the fact that if it's not possible for you for whatever way, that doesn't decrease your value. Yeah, I feel like we're getting away from the self-help productivity guru type stuff in general. And I think we're going to do a, a bonus content about that, about like the rise of quiet quitting and <laughs> lazy girl jobs, because a lot of this like strap for excellence has just become like, oh, you mean get chewed up and spit out by the corporate machine. The next one is don't walk on eggshells and never apologize for being a woman with her own feelings, tastes, desires, needs, standards, requirements, and boundaries. As I've always said before, the people that meet your boundaries will have no problem with them. The people complaining about your boundaries and standards or requirements or whatever, they are the ones who aren't able to provide that for you, in which case their opinion literally does not matter. Here's my, once again, 
asterisk next to this point. The reason why women do this is because there are real world consequences for us not doing it. Meaning like for us not walking on eggshells, for us not apologizing for being strong women, for us not standing in our power. There's consequences socially, there's consequences in the workplace, and there's consequences romantically. I think the key is to find within that the trade-offs that are non-negotiable to your happiness. And don't apologize ever for your presence, but at the same time, understanding the reactions that you're likely to get and how to navigate them and how to protect yourself within them. Because part of the reason women don't act strong is because like people find it off-putting. Suddenly, like they're in the out group at work and they're being bullied or something because they spoke up at the wrong time. Or that guy that you went on a date with that you really like just felt like, oh, she's too opinionated and she's too assertive or she has this or like, I don't like the things that she likes and etc. Those are all really great things. What will help you to be able to stand on your own two feet is some kind of economic support. And that's just the unfortunate part of capitalism is like, I can just speak for myself when I was younger and broker and felt like I didn't have a lot of options. I put up with a lot more shit. Why? Because I didn't have any money and have anywhere to go. So you end up being kind of beholden to the culture that you're stuck in. So self-empowerment is key and self-economic empowerment is key, giving yourself the key to be flexible in your job, finding ways to build a network of people that are like you. But when you're first starting out, you're going to take a lot of lumps. And that's just the unfortunate reality for most people. Meaning like first couple of years of your career or in the dating world, even like trying to figure out who you are and then find the people that are like you, you're going to experience a lot of people trying to force you in a box that don't fit that doesn't fit you and try to find you for you. And the work of life is to completely disregard all of that extra stuff to find the nugget of truth about who you are and who you want to be and how you want to relate to others. Exactly. So the next one is strive to excel at what you do. This is an interesting, you know, one as well, because as we touched on and as we've touched on in our career series, especially if you are in the world of corporate or you are part of the capitalist system, excelling in what you do often can be a lot of effort for little to no reward as well. So what I would suggest instead is sort of similar to what Roy was saying previously is sort of understand the environment that you're in and also assess if it is truly in your benefit to excel, so to speak, in that particular environment. Because also just doing your job and not excelling is also enough. This whole term around quiet quitting is really just a way to guilt trip workers into giving a lot more than they actually should for the same amount of money. It's a capitalist psyop, in my opinion. So this again comes with a proviso that again, you should always be assessing what is actually in your best interest to do as well. Yeah, I think you should always strive to be competent and to do things to a level that makes you feel happy and empowered about your life. But yeah, I'm kind of with Savannah on the strive for excellence train is really, really sometimes it's a losing battle because the reward for being a great worker is often just more work. So I guess I'm kind of like, I would re-pivot to think about your career and your life as like a series of days instead of necessarily like a series of milestones. Meaning like your day to day, you have to find a way to be passionate and motivated and feel like you're excelling. And those types of incremental wins and incremental commitments to yourself tend to add up. But 
if you try to think of it like, oh, I'm going to be happy if I get this title or I get this job or I work for this company and suddenly I'm going to have this, you'll find yourself extremely unhappy. And I think it's more important to understand who you are in the context and who you want to be and not as a title, but like, what do you want to do every day? How do you want to feel every day? And then strive to achieve that every day because then you'll excel based on things that will actually make you happy rather than like excelling through external markers. Because excelling through external markers can be kind of a mind fuck when you get things that you think you want. And then you're like, why am I so goddamn miserable still? (laughs) And it's because you are prioritizing excelling in the wrong things. And what it means to excel is very, very personal to you. And finding that is honestly, once you find and align yourself with that, it's just it's just so much better and so much more satisfying. And you care a lot less about you know, external validation or titles and this and that. Obviously, the money can be a hindrance. So you want to try to pivot yourself in a way you can make enough money. But truthfully, if you find something that you enjoy doing and you're committed to learning and being good at, then the money often will come after that because you'll start to build a niche or be known for something that you are already quite good at because you want to be good at it. It's a lot easier to, this is like stating the obvious, but I feel like there is this desire to chase, I guess, like career paths or, you know, ways of making money that may not actually fit you. So at the moment, for example, tech has been one of the main career paths that people want to pivot onto to make loads of money. When actually the easiest way to make money is to look at your skill set and to do something that you're good at. Because like Rose said, the money will come a lot easier. And if the money is coming easier, you can afford to work harder because it won't feel like you're overstretching yourself in that regard. So sometimes it can be a false economy to try and turn your hand to something that just doesn't necessarily come naturally to you as well. So the next one is told others responsible for their behavior and then work to solve your own problems. This is a really important point that I've learned during my time in therapy is the way that we tend to internalize the behavior of of other people when actually 99.9 or almost 100% of the time, the way other people behave has got nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. Because the way people interact with you didn't actually start with that interaction with you, for example. People come with their own sorts of history, their own internal working model that have nothing to do with you as well. So once I started to internalize that and to understand how people actually work and actually you are oftentimes not the center of people's lives, so to speak, it becomes a lot easier to separate, you know, their actions and their behavior from your own as well. And to not take it personally. I think I said this in the last episode, but how other people treat you is a reflection of them. How you treat other people is a reflection of you. 100%. The next one is you only need to prove yourself to yourself. Yeah, I think this kind of goes back to what I said before, just having that internal compass about what types of things you want to do on a day-to-day basis and who you want to be and who you are. Yes. So the other rules, some of these rules have been covered already in the previous episode, but we'll go through them again anyway. So the first one is respect is all and walk away any signs of disrespect. That's in general. And I mean, like literally walk away in the moment. If someone's disrespecting, you just don't have to listen to it. And I mean, anybody, quite frankly, at this point in my career, I really don't give a shit who they are in the company or what title they have, 
disrespect is met with silence and disengagement. And that'll serve you well over your life and your career. Because quite frankly, if you allow people to talk to you that way, they'll always talk to you that way. It's important to set boundaries with people, no matter what their title is and who they are. And like, when guys are acting like fucking idiots, they know, right? And to the extent that you sit there and tolerate that is because they're bullies and they feel like, oh, she's just sit here and listen to me because I'm so important. But you don't have to. And like, completely never be afraid to do an uno reverse on someone who's being a bully and a dickhead. 100%. I will caveat that and say like, if you are experiencing a microaggression, especially in the workplace, I understand why people may not feel comfortable, but I started just calling it out because that's also not okay either. And oftentimes, especially disrespect can be quite covert and it's deliberate because the person disrespecting you is hoping that because they're doing it in a covert way that you will just think it's not a big deal or that they can get away with it or explain it away. But no, covert disrespect is still disrespect. So if you feel comfortable calling it out, then absolutely do because it's still not okay. And they know what they're doing as well. This is the thing with disrespect is that it's rarely an accident. They know exactly what they're doing every single time. The next one is immediately distance yourself from any man who inappropriately sexualizes a conversation or situation if you're not comfortable. Immediately distance yourself from any man who treats you like a caretaker or therapist. No apology or explanation is necessary. So yeah, I 100% agree with this one, especially the first part of this point where it talks about distancing yourself from men who inappropriately sexualizes a conversation or situation. This is like one of the number one signs that a guy is porn sick. Kuma. Kuma energy. Cooper. The next one, as we've spoken about, is trust your gut. And this is a huge one as well. We've spoken about how your gut feeling is always there to tell you that something is wrong. And it takes practice to actually honor it because oftentimes when our gut is telling us that something is wrong, it means that we often have to make a decision that doesn't feel good in the moment. And part of being a mature emotionally healthy adult is recognizing that sometimes the best decision doesn't always feel nice in the moment as well. And that can make it difficult to trust our gut feeling if we internalize the idea that every decision that we make has to feel good in the moment. Or, you know, we have to fully agree with it. We have to, you know, fully be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel in that moment. And it's not always true. The next one is, I fully believe this one, this is like probably my favorite one out of all of them, is always believe and act as though you are worthy of kindness, respect, and love. Yeah, it's quite self-explanatory for me. And especially as women, we've been conditioned to pick out the a million and one ways that we might not be worthy of basic kindness, respect, and love. Oh, we're too fat. Oh, we're too skinny. You know, while we don't have a job, you know, while we've been diagnosed with a mental illness. And it's all horseshit. Like, ultimately... It's difficult to do that when I guess we live in a patriarchal system that is designed to keep us down and designed to make us not feel worthy. Because if we don't feel worthy, that is how we end up in relationships with low value men who are giving us scraps, right? But, you know, one thing that one of my teachers in school, she used to make us do this affirmation from the movie The Help, I want to say it's called. Yeah, with Viola Davis and basically just stand in front of a mirror and just say, you is kind, you is smart, and you're important. And that actually really, really boosted my confidence as a teenager. 
And I still carry that mantra with me throughout my life as well, because you are worthy of kindness, respect and love. You shouldn't have to behave in a certain way to get it. You know, men will have you believe that you have to jump through certain hoops in order to get their attention or to get their respect. And such men are not worth getting the respect or attention of, if that is the case. Yeah. Believing that you're worthy of kindness, love and respect is truly, truly the beginning of your personal journey towards anything. It's so difficult. It's so difficult to keep that in mind because everything outside of you is invested in telling you that you are not worthy of kindness, respect, or love unless you buy our product or you work for our company or you meet these metrics or anything, right? Everyone is looking to exploit you in some way. And the way that they do that is they convince you that you're not worthy of kindness and respect and love unless you have or do whatever they're asking for. But kindness, love and respect is your birthright as a human being. (laughs) And anybody that tells you that you're not worth it otherwise is crazy, right? It doesn't mean you're always going to be a good fit for every environment you're in. But it does mean that like people that treat you disrespectfully for no reason, and who are unkind to you for no reason, they're mad because they can exploit you in a way that's important, right? You do something that's worthy of disrespect. That's one thing, but like inherently, you're not worthy of that. Exactly. Believing that you're worthy cures neediness and desperation, 100%, because you won't be seeking validation from external sources, you'll be seeking it internally as well. And it sort of ties into the next point as well, when you focus on improving yourself and not on getting the guy as well. It sort of creates that positive feedback that you are enough on your own, that you are capable, that you are strong. And so you don't necessarily need to rely on a guy to validate your worth as a human being. The next one is improvise and adapt. Don't be constrained by formulas and routines, especially if they don't serve you. Now, this is something that I find quite interesting about just life in general. And this is something that I would encourage people to always be aware of, especially if you grew up in a background where a dogmatic way of thought was preached, so religious or any other kind of environment where you had to follow a dogma to be part of the group. And um, I suppose that the lack of introspection can also affect people who now believe in more enlightened, in quotation marks, theories such as feminism, in that they don't critically analyse, you know, what they actually believe, and most importantly, check if their beliefs actually align with their internal working model. And this is why a lot of people have a lot of cognitive dissonance in terms of the way they see the world. An example of this is a current battle that is currently raging on, you know, within radical feminists around makeup. Some radical feminists will tell you that if you wear makeup, you cannot be radical feminist. But what they won't tell you is that a lot of them wear makeup themselves, but they just make up a reason as to why, you know, their wearing of makeup is acceptable and other women's isn't. That's an example of cognitive dissonance. And this comes about where people adopt ideologies without actually critically analyzing them. You know, just because you are now part of a critical ideology such as feminism, that doesn't necessarily mean that you've actually thought critically about what you personally believe in and what personally aligns with your thought processes as well. So it is important to improvise and adapt and also be willing to question your own belief system on a regular basis. Because it is normal for people's beliefs to change and adapt as they grow older and as they experience life. That is very normal. 
So in order to ensure that your value system is actually serving you well and you're not a complete hypocrite, because people will not take you seriously if you're hypocritical, it is important to not be constrained by, you know, not only formulas and routines, but also ideologies and thought processes as well. The next one is to elevate your thoughts in order to ascend and level up. Yeah, I mean, positive thoughts, you have to train your brain. It's really difficult, but it's really important. And I feel like it's harder because of the social media age in some respects, because so many of the apps are designed to distract you and make you sad and emotionally reactive. I swear, like Twitter used to be one of my favorite places to go for knowledge, but the algorithms now is just dog shit. Absolute dog shit. And the stuff that's like pushed onto your timeline now is just ridiculous. But that's just the, yeah, the roast of Elon Musk is long overdue and is coming. Don't worry. The next one is make it fun with men. Don't take them too seriously. There's no need to put on a show or prove yourself. That's true. Like I do believe that as much as possible, interacting with anyone, but more so men, should be a positive experience for women. And the way to do that is just to not take men that seriously, even though some of them might take themselves seriously. But yeah, just try to have as much fun as you can with them in your interactions. And if you are not having fun, that is your cue to drop them and exit stage left. Imitating someone else's behavior probably won't work for you. Get comfortable with yourself, improve yourself and be yourself authenticity is really important and it is something that people can spot quite quickly and unfortunately a lot of the I guess dating advice or the hypergamy advice basically encourages people to be something that they're not so if we look at the marry rich hypergamy advice you see women asking all you know how can I come across this way or if I do these hobbies is a guy gonna like me and all this stuff people can spot when somebody is inauthentic or being fake very, very quickly. They may not say it to your face, but they will just know. And ultimately, the best way to live a life that is stress-free is just to be yourself because your tribe will naturally gravitate towards you. And then you will find that it is a lot less effort to maintain the friendships and connections that you do make because it just comes naturally to you. Yeah, man, there's just something about that that's just so poignant. Because yeah, if you're not yourself, then the right people won't find you. And you really, really need the right people to find you. Meaning the people that resonate with you rather than the people you're trying to be like. It's just so important to, I think, your life happiness. And it's also, it comes with that confidence of recognizing that you're not going to be for everyone. And that's okay. Just like you don't vibe with everybody that comes across your path. And that's also okay. It's almost like paradox when people who are trying to mold themselves into being something that they're not in order to, I guess, beat rejection, they've ultimately rejected themselves. And they are also rejecting, just like Rose said, the people that will actually, you know, really, really like and love them in their natural way as well. So it's a double whammy there. You lose out twice. And ultimately, people can't put on an act for very long. The way personality works is that it will come out and people will quickly see that you are not being authentic. And that is off-putting in and of itself. The next one is take care of yourself. Uh, Do exercise regularly, eat nutritiously, get enough sleep, take care of business, tidy your home, wear flattering clothes and take care of your skin and hair. This is an interesting one because this year, I never used to lay my bed in the morning because I didn't see the point because I just thought it would just get messed up anyway. But since January this year, I lay my bed every single morning. 
and that tiny change has made such a massive difference like not only does my room look tidier but it also gives me that sense of accomplishment and that feeling of like self-care of like getting into a freshly made bed at the end of a really difficult like nothing beats it so that's just my own little anecdote there taking care of myself but yeah it's also about you know how you feel on the inside as well and it isn't necessarily about you know, exercising to look a certain way. If that is one of your goals, that is absolutely fine. But more so it's about, I mean, for me, like exercise is a celebration of what my body can do. It's not necessarily a punishment for eating, you know, too much yesterday or or it isn't a way to lose a ton of weight. It's just a celebration of, you know, what my body can do as it is at the moment as well. Then the next one is don't give them too much attention. Don't chase, don't always be available and don't double text. Your time is valuable more so than his. If he wants your attention, he will have to schedule plans ahead of time. If he flakes, drop him and let the pickmishas waste their time on him. You have better things to do. Yeah, man, mic drop. Mic drop. Yeah, I mean, once again, it's not about game playing. It's just about having a full enough life such that like you don't drop everything to pay attention to this one person right? It's really easy to get into that groove because your brain, especially if you're horny or in love, so you think or have a crush, like your brain hijacks you, it takes you hostage, and then starts to make you overanalyze this person, obsess about this person, it's not healthy. And ultimately, that energy sometimes comes across to people anyway. So just, you know, let it go. And this is, you know, why it's also good to build a fulfilling life on your own so that you won't be fixated on every single interaction that you have with this guy because if you have other things going on he will then have to adapt to your life as opposed to you dropping everything to chase after him so this is also why it's good to be busy and hopefully fulfilled in your own life as well the next one is learn and adopt confident body language so weightlifting dance especially ballet yoga pilates and martial arts are all effective at teaching body confidence. I do agree with that. I do hot yoga a lot. I've dabbled in Pilates, but it just, yeah, yoga, like hot yoga is just my jam. That's what I like doing. That's what resonates the most with me. And it is true. And again, it's also about celebrating, you know, what your body can do. And it's also a great way to meet other like-minded people as well. They can often be really, really sociable spaces. So yeah, I would definitely agree with that as well. And then the final point of this High Value Woman series is be ambitious and build your ideal life. Your life is a garden, so nurture it lovingly before attending to anything or anyone else. Here's the part where I get real inspirational because I want everyone to know that your life is yours. You only got one life. You only got one shot. Every day you have to get up and run towards happiness. Every day you have to build towards the future you want. And the added benefit is that as you are building efficacy and focusing on your goals, you'll feel better. You'll feel like your life has purpose and meaning. So never ever quit on you and let temporary problems become a statement on your entire life. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new chance to rebuild. Every day is a new chance to make incremental progress on your goals because no one else is going to do it for you. Nobody else understands your vision. And no one is as invested in your life as you are. This is something else to think about as well. Like, I know 
almost sounds a bit doomsday, but it doesn't, I hope it doesn't come across that way in the sense that you will be the most invested in your life ambition at the end of the day. Everybody else is focused on, you know, their own stuff, their own ambitions, their own plans. But ultimately, you are the CEO of your life and you are the biggest investor in your life as well. You have the most to gain and the most to lose out of the trajectory of your life as well. And, you know, whilst it is always good to access help along the way, I think that is what behind every successful person in life, there is a whole team behind them. There is a whole team of people that they were able to call upon. But ultimately, that individual, they had to be the most invested in their vision. I mean, no one's got more skin in the game than you do in your own life. Get out there and get busy living or get busy dying, FDSers. Yes, because when you're a boss, you can do what you want. Yeah, you're the boss of your own life. Never let temporary setbacks, temporary people, anything. None of them matter. I'm not saying this just for my health or because it sounds good. I'm saying it from lived experience. And having learned the hard way about letting things that should never have been as important as I made them be the arbiter of my long-term goals or my long-term value or who I want to be in this world. And that means everybody, family, friends, people you think you can't live without, jobs you think you can't live without, anything. I'm telling you, anything you get when you're not right with yourself won't matter. It'll feel like tasting bitter fruit. In the words of the great Lauren Hill, how are you going to win if you ain't right within? It's that all the way. So do you, my friends, and go out there and make space for yourself. Carve out a space just for you. Doesn't have to fit anybody else. Doesn't matter if it fits anybody else. If it fits you, it's right. That's our show. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. And of course, we're still looking for a new host. So if you want to email us and send us a little bit about yourself, about why you think you'd make a good FDS host, contact us at contact at the female dating strategy. Check out the website, thefemaledatingstrategy.com and Twitter for however long it lasts at femdatstrat and Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you scrotes out there, you're not kind, you're not smart. Nobody likes you, die mad. <laughs> Bye, See y'all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.